0: Hello, welcome to Let's Catch Up. Um, a couple things to catch up on this week. Britney Spears wrote a memoir. DJ Envy might get arrested. Hassan Minhaj response to The New Yorker. Gwyneth is making goop products for people who can't afford goop products. Um, yeah, The Crown... Those are all the things that we're really going to dig into, but there's so much else going on. The Crown Season 6 trailer has premiered, um, and I feel like I might cry watching it. Um, I cannot commit to The Golden Bachelor, and I'm sorry. I, like, really wish that I could. I don't know. Uh, what's wrong with me I think I just am more done with the franchise than I realized um Killers of the Flower Moon is out it's over three hours and multiple people have said there is not a convenient time to go to the bathroom so it looks like I will not be viewing that movie in theaters I'll wait until it's on a streaming service um obviously I want to talk about Britney Spears memoir a little bit but like I know I do this every time a good memoir comes out. I'm like, oh, I really wanna do a memoir binge or whatever and like be like celebrity memoir book club, not seal their podcast idea, but just read the quantity of memoirs that they read. And then like Britney Spears comes out with one and I'm like, oh, gotta read that. And then like now John Stamos is promoting one and he just keeps talking about how he got like kind of hated his first wife and he had like an alcohol problem. And I'm like, are we gonna talk about full house? Like, sorry. Sorry. I just like really don't want to, um, talk about how you forgot that you filmed my big fat Greek wedding too, because you were drunk all the time. I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, there's a lot to get into this week. And so I want to jump in. Honestly, um, none of it has to do with the fact that the... Woman who um accused Jonathan Majors of assault has now been arrested, and there's also a rumor that Jonathan Majors and Megan Good did get married, which is deeply upsetting to me. Um, okay, let's catch up. Okay, I have to talk about this DJ Enzi, Envy uh, Ponzi scheme or alleged Ponzi scheme. Now, the way that I'm about to be all up in my um Far more so during this one than, you know, I normally am uh, because this is an active lawsuit. Um, if you're not familiar with DJ Envy, he is the one of the hosts of The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club is uh, a radio show where shame goes to die. It's hosted by DJ Envy, uh, Charlemagne the God, and it used to be Angela Yee. I don't know who their third co-host is now, to be honest with you. Um, But it has produced some of the most, like, memeable moments, especially in black culture, in the last decade, probably. Um, People get into fights with these uh, hosts. Uh, People, the celebrities go on the show and say to these hosts to say things to their face after they have said it behind their back for years. People mend friendships, people end friendships on The Breakfast Club. Um, if I'm being honest with you, the Breakfast Club is just like the shade room come to life. You know what I mean? Like they have very, very similar energy, which is messy. It's messy energy. Um, so it's not something I'm personally interested in investing every single day in, but every now and then there is just a good clip. And um recently some clips have come to light of people going on the show and speaking to DJ Envy directly about his um house flipping uh business. So, um, also it's important to know that part of my feelings about DJ Envy are rooted in my, um, watching and love of Jesus and Mero, obviously, who got into it with DJ Envy once because DJ Envy cheated on his wife and then him and his wife went on. And that's not allegedly that's real. And I know it's real because they went on the reel. DJ Envy and his wife sat on the couch on the reel and talked about how he, um, cheated on her. And then Jesus and Mero talked about it and they were like, how are you going to go on a show and be like, yeah, I cheated on her. And then his wife's just, like, sitting there. And then Jesus made a comment about how she was sticking around for the DJ Envy checks. Then DJ Envy – and he was very in jest, you know, just, like, an aside. They go on the show. DJ Envy gets mad at them. And he's like, how dare – you can't talk about my wife like that. And Jesus is like, I'm sorry, I guess. I don't know. But, like, you could have talked to me privately. You didn't have to wait, like, weeks until I, later until I was on your show uh, to to call me out. But he called them some names – um, and now here we are. So I have an allegiance here for sure. Um, so DJ Envy, I guess was flipping houses the way that this is such a hard thing to even explain if you have not read about it, because it is, it's like very clearly a Ponzi scheme. Like it's so clearly a scam, you know, allegedly, allegedly when you are reading about it. Um, or even listening to him talk about it because the way that he talked about it was this idea that they were like buying houses and then renting them out to people who couldn't afford their own houses, but they were selling it as some sort of like, this is for them to build up their own wealth and like ownership. But it's like, you own the house. They're just renting from you. Like literally someone was on their show once and asked him to explain it. And she said, so you're a (laughs) slumlord. And he was like, no, no, we're encouraging people, whatever. So he, um, was doing all of this with a man named Cesar Pena and, um, he was arrested on October 18th and this guy, or maybe it's Pina, which is not an Inye. I just like threw one out there, Pina. He, um, was flipping houses with DJ Envy in New Jersey and, um, he went on the breakfast club, literally calling himself flipping NJ, um, so now he has federal prosecutors who are saying that he's defrauded um, dozens of people of millions of dollars and he's been charged with one count of wire fraud. Um, and then the office where the Breakfast Club is recorded was raided by federal officials later that day. Um, he, DJ Invey, has not been charged But the federal complaint literally says, quote, a well-known disc jockey and radio personality when they are mentioning um, people that worked with him. So I feel like there's not a lot of options there. Um, The the scam here is apparently this man was taking investments to renovate and resell properties in New Jersey and then saying that the people that... He was like buying them for would get a twenty to forty five percent return on investment in five months. I just like literally don't understand. Like, what is this? Like, okay, so he obviously took some of that money himself, allegedly, allegedly, and um, and then he was using that money from like new people to pay back old people, and it's like a tale as old as time, right? Um, multiple investors said that they did not receive their promised payments again. These the, again, t- tale as old as time, truly. Um, so they would have these real estate seminars, uh, Cesar and DJ Envy, and um, they would literally like invite people to like a hotel ballroom and be like, Let's talk about how we can help you with real estate. Um, so I guess they developed some sort of like trust there, but this man has since gone on his Instagram live. LOL. Can you imagine being the attorney for someone going on Instagram Live? It, it literally is like being Donald Trump's attorney. It's like, hey, you're actively being tried right now for a crime. Could you not be talking to everyone? Thanks. This man goes on Instagram Live and he says DJ Envy was never in the room with him. DJ Envy has nothing to do with the 20 lawsuits of these people who are suing me. He's like, it pisses me off that people are bashing DJ Envy. Um, but literally he then goes on to say, he's not a victim. He was my partner. He was an investor. So don't feel like we should be, uh, saying that. So then DJ Envy gets on the breakfast club a couple days later and says, um, this is totally not true that I was involved in this. Cesar, if he took any money, I wasn't privy to it, nor did I know. And he was like, my attorneys don't want me to speak, but I think there's things I need to clear up a little bit to which Charlemagne, the God literally says, I think you need to listen to your attorneys. (laughs) (laughs) anyway um they're also saying that dj envy was a victim of this man that he invested five hundred thousand dollars into a flip in new jersey and he has not seen his money back um so i don't know uh dj envy is also um suing a man named tony the closer (laughs) new jersey New Jersey uh but he's an Instagram influencer who's posted about this like Ponzi scheme for uh, earlier this year long before the the arrest um I don't know we'll see what um happens the other thing that I guess has come out is that Joe Budden said that DJ Envy called him for advice and DJ Envy has said this he's like when I got into real estate I called Joe Budden He said names like two other famous people. He's like who, you know, know about real estate, whatever. And apparently Joe Budden said to him, um, it's a Ponzi scheme and you're going to go to jail. (laughs) He was like literally said that. And DJ and me went ahead and did it. So going to have to um, see where this goes. I don't want anybody going to jail or anything. But we we have to remember that if it seems too easy, it's not true. Right. Like. When Elizabeth Holmes said a single drop of blood, you know, the rational people in the room said it's too easy. It's not possible. If it was possible, someone would have done it. And that's the same thing here. If it was possible, someone would have already done it for you to invest $500,000 and turn it into a million in five months. If that was a thing, I'd give someone 20 bucks right now. See if we could turn that around real quick. Okay, so let's talk Hasan Minhaj. Um, if you guys saw the New Yorker piece on him about a month ago, it was kind of crazy. And I didn't really talk about it because I honestly did not even know how I felt about it. As someone who, like, I like him and I like his comedy and I think that he was such a clear, like, front runner for The Daily Show and the New Yorker probably, like, has taken this job from him. But the piece basically said that, like, he makes up a bunch of stuff Um as a comedian that all these stories that he tells are not true and like it really painted him as like a liar more so than an embellisher I think that it's silly to act like every story comedians are telling uh, is completely true you know I um I'm not a stand-up we know this I consider myself pretty funny otherwise I don't think I'd be recording myself but I um I told a joke a couple weeks ago that I was cognizant was like not, let me just explain the whole joke. I made a joke about how book titles these days, especially like romance novels, they all are kind of called the same thing. And I was saying like, meet me at the dock, the lake where we met, the summer of yesterday, things we find, things we lost, things we want to know, the girl, the boy, like, I made this joke, right? And if you look at like popular – it's like Emily Henry's books are like book lovers, beach read, happy – they're all interchangeable, right? Um, And that was kind of the point that I was making. And then someone pointed out – they were like, well, authors don't even pick the books. Publishers do. And I am not a nice person. And I looked at this person and I said, I know, but it doesn't make the joke as funny which is not a nice thing to say to someone but i meant it in two ways right one is like i know that publishers pick book titles and i um quite frankly don't appreciate being treated like an idiot but the second thing is that i i know that publishers are are picking these book titles right but that's obviously not funny to say like these publishers are out here naming their books all the same thing it's much funnier I think to say that these authors are just like anyway there's no reason for me to be explaining this joke structure but my point in saying all of that is that people embellish for humor people embellish for laughs people circumvent the truth for laughs I I think like obviously fundamentally the story about like anthrax falling on his daughter's head or whatever is like crazy to embellish but I think that, like, him... He tells a story about going to prom with a white girl named Bethany and how her parents didn't want um her going to prom with a brown boy. And he changes, like, the setting of the story in his stand-up special to being, like, on their doorstep or something. I don't know. I might be getting the details wrong here. Anyway, point being that, like, fundamentally, structural Fundamentally, let me use the right words here. It is the same story. It is the truth. He wasn't, like, stretching it. He changed a bit of it for a better story but it doesn't change the story as a whole right um so anyway i also think it's important to know and he points this out he made a response video that's why i'm talking about this it's like 20 minutes long and he points out something that i think is a fair point is that like if you were genuinely interested as a journalist in the uh line between kind of like truth and embellishment truth and stand up whatever it is like where that lies, it would have been more valuable to get a control group and looked at a bunch of different stand-up specials and been able to pull from all of them and interview all of those people and say, what if this is true, what if this did you embellish to get an idea of what comedians actually do instead of just looking at one person's stand-up and saying, all you do is make things up, when in reality he might percentage-wise match up to you know, a variety of other comedians. Like, I don't think anyone is watching Anthony Jesselnik stand-up being like, oh yeah, he really wants to kick a baby or whatever. Like, it is your job as like a listener and a viewer, right, to like parse out reality a little bit. I don't know, maybe that's just me. I watch stand-up specials all the time and laugh, but like in the back of my head, I'm always like, I wonder if that really happened. Because I'm like, part of this is fictional. Like, yes, it's based in real life, but like, whatever. Okay, so anyway... He makes this uh, response video to the New Yorker basically saying, like, I'm sure you guys think that I'm psycho because I read that article and I would think that this person is psycho. But I think it's important that you know that I'm not psycho. He was like, I know there's a lot going on in the world, but I just want you to get a, an idea. So he releases audio from speaking with this journalist. He releases text messages and screenshots. Let me tell you something. This is definitely the wrong man to go after, right? Because one thing we know about Patriot Act, Patriot Act is that he will dig in. He's not in he's not uh scared of spending twenty minutes talking about one singular tiny thing in an effort to prove a point. And that's what he did. He literally has the audio clips. It's like not a great look, honestly, for the New Yorker. And they chose to just double down and issue a statement, basically being like, um the uh he selectively presents information and embellishes to make a point exactly what we reported so i don't know i think that this is just a very interesting discussion because it seemed more like a hit piece than it did an informational piece and i think we can safely assume and i think i said this earlier that he likely was in the running to be the host of the daily show um i think he would have done a really good job and i'm interested to see if comedy central still uh offers him the spot they're still having guest hosts Roy Wood G- Jr. has officially pulled out of the the running and said that he will not return back to The Daily Show, which is very upsetting and does feel like Comedy Central fumbled that bag. Like, I think Roy is such an easy, awesome choice. Um, I think Hassan is such an easy, aw- aw- did I say awful, awesome choice. Um, and I think, obviously, the fact that they are both not white men it would have been incredibly helpful to uh the late night sphere as a whole but they also were just like i think the best at that job like i think if jordan klepper wanted it he could have it too but he prefers to le- legitimately expose himself to COVID on a regular basis going to all these trump rallies asking people to name one trump policy they like he really is a god's strongest soldier let me tell you the way that if the, you asked me to do that which i know the daily show that you know they do field pieces all the time and um, a lot of them have told stories about. I know Colbert told a story. Maybe it was on Strike Force Five or something about like being around the KKK and all this stuff. Like they really do do the craziest stuff. But anyway, point being, um, I. I don't know i just like don't resent a comedian for embellishing that during their stand-up set he also clarified that he was like my political comedy and my stand-up comedy are different he was like if i'm talking about like cruise ships or um you know the iranian government like i uh rigorously fact check and he was like and if i'm talking about um you know dinner with friends then it's a little loose and i can respect that Okay, I have a question about Goop and it's not quite that time of year. I read this article and I did get excited because I realized that the Goop gift guide must be like around the corner. And I feel like I don't have a lot of like annual things we do on this podcast. Like there's not like off the top of my head, I cannot think of something that I've done every year since I started this podcast, which also I started this podcast like probably like four years ago or something crazy. Anyway, I don't know. Um, But the one thing that I know that we have done every year is the Goop gift guide, and I cannot wait. This, unfortunately, is not it, but this is about Gwyneth. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen recently that she said when she sells Goop, she's, like, removing herself from Hollywood or whatever. I'm obsessed with the idea because, one, you know, she just, like, randomly pops up in Marvel movies. But, two, like, her husband is out here producing, like, you know – all of the shows that Ben Platt is in and working with Ryan Murphy and 911 and all that stuff. So I'm like, how removed from Hollywood will you ever be? Anyway, um, Oscar winner Gwyneth, Gwyneth Paltrow, never forget. Um, what she is doing is a goop line for pores. Basically, everything is under forty dollars, and it's going to be available at Target and Amazon. Um, I I like literally don't i i uh, speechless um it's 14 products um it includes a juice cleanser a healthy aging serum i don't know the phrase healthy aging serum is such a scam like tell me what it is is it retinol like what is it there's a glycolic toner a moisturizer an exfoliating scrub an eye serum a scalp detox a body smoother replenishing cream. Um, I'm not entirely sure what that is. Is that just like a body butter, we think? Um, Let's see. You've got a body facial exfoliating scrub. Now, my initial thoughts here are, can you use this on your face and your body? Which I don't like, I don't love, what are we, men using like a, a foreign one? I don't want to use the same thing on my face that I use. Maybe she's saying it's like facial exfoliating, but use it on your body. I don't know. There's a body oil. There's a brain boost daily vegan chew for $30 um, at Target. I don't know what this is. It is cafe latte flavored. I don't know what it's even like meant to do. Let's see. Find your ultimate focus. The Brain Boost Daily Chew gives you a mental boost with two cognitive supporters, also known as nootropics. Y'all, this word is spelled N-O-O-tropics. The way that I don't believe that that is a real world, real word. Um, One of them is caffeine. Also, (laughs) two cognitive supporters. One of them is L-theanine or whatever. I've seen that before. And the other is a literal caffeine. It's a caffeine. It's a caffeine chew the caffeine chew take one a day or up to three the flavor cafe latte reminiscent of your prized morning cup of coffee the experience pick me up so this is just supposed to replace your coffee um there's a pleasure seeker daily vegan chew unfortunately gonna have to look at this one too and figure this out this is chocolate raspberry flavor looks exactly the same as the coffee one uh, mood is often what stands between us and our ability to connect to desire and pleasure. We formulated the Pleasure Seeker Daily Chews with two all-star ingredients to assist. Clinical studies show that saffron e- saffron extract supports emotional well-being and uplifts moods, and maca root extract is a classic aphrodisiac, and then in parentheses, which has traditionally been used to support mood too. Take one chew daily... Don't take if you're pregnant, planning to become pregnant, or breastfeeding. I love that turn of phrase. It's so uh, reminiscent of you know every like medicine commercial. Do not take if you are pregnant, planning to become pregnant, or breastfeeding. Side effects may include dying on the street because if you take too many of these pills, not this one, allegedly, allegedly. But you know when they say that when they're that's like a running joke. I feel like with me and my dad is like that. Ha- these commercials will be like, do you experience heart palpitations? Take. True's Essex biosphere. And then all the side effects are like, heart may stop. Do not operate heavy machinery. Side effects may include blindness. It's like, you know what? I think I'll deal with the heart (laughs) palpitations. I think I'll just handle. Um, Anyway. Let's see what else we got here. So we've got a Brain Boost Daily Vegan Chew, a Pleasure Seeker Daily Vegan Chew, Bodyguard Immunity Chews, and the Skinspiration Beauty Vegan Chews. So I'm kind of disappointed that like half of her products are chews, Um, but I'm interested in the fact that a lot of them are like face things because you know Gwyneth will will like sell you, you know, a, a vagina egg or whatever, but the Daily Juice Cleanser isn't even like a juice. It's a facial cleanser. Um, so interested to see if this like expands, um, and she plans to do more, but I guess that they have decided that maybe, um, you know, their face oil for $98 on the website isn't their target market. They said, wow, the economy is really looking rough. Maybe we should make our facial cleansers. Also, it's not the same brand explicitly. It's called Good Clean Goop with a period in between each word so it's like branded a little bit differently than goop so um that's interesting that they're like no 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 this is this is goop for pores is what it is um okay this is a question Just generally speaking, how do we as a society handle these bigger designers stealing from smaller creators? And I know you're like, really, girl? Like, H&M can't be stopped. Shein can't be stopped. I know. But I really mean more so in this current accusation that has come to light, in which Kylie Jenner is being accused by um, someone named Betsy Johnson, but not the Betsy Johnson you're thinking of, a different Betsy Johnson of um, stealing their line concept because they emailed it to them six months ago. Um, And Kylie has this new line called Kai, spelled K-H-Y, and this designer is accusing Kylie of stealing from her. Um, The brand, the, the brand Kai or whatever, was announced um last week or this week or I don't know time is a construct. And there's 13 pieces um that have like faux leather coats and stuff like that. And the prices um are $48. The the price range is forty eight to $198. So it's like I don't know. Um, a pleasant surprise I guess. Um, but this first drop, so I guess we're doing some sort of capsule collection kind of situation. Um, is made with the brand Namelia, and they use a lot of leather. So I think that that obviously has to do with this like little um, situation. But the um, accusations from this woman named Betsy, uh, she used to um, work for like uh, she's a independent uh, creative director and stylist now, but she at some point like worked on the Yeezy Gap campaign. Um, and has, you know, been associated with Balenciaga in some way, shape or form. Um, but she has a new line called products. So this line products is monochrome, features a lot of black leather, um, and it is also a limited collection. And, um, Betsy went on Instagram this week and basically said, um, um, like, you know, people were starting to send it to her, which is something that's very interesting. Is the like, um, hey girl, it looks like maybe your stuff has been stolen. And so, um, Betsy posted on her Instagram about Kylie's launch and said, We emailed Kylie and all her teams, uh, all her team products, limited concept and language, and a line sheet six months ago. Interesting concept, Kylie. Interesting. Thanks for the cosign. Um, So obviously, also, I mean, like, obviously, this is just me being rude. I do like that this, um, a lot of the articles explain what a line sheet is, um, which I do think that it's nice that there are people that don't know because for some of us, it's been a torture term for a really long time. Um, She also tagged the brand that Kylie worked with, Namelia, and said that, you know, this was a trash move. Um, People are obviously like, people very quickly are like, this is so upsetting. I'm so sorry. Um, I think that, you know, nine times out of 10, when a smaller creator posts like this and says, like, are you kidding me? Like, you know, people tend to believe them, I think, especially in a situation where they sent this company line sheets. I understand that six months is like not a long lead time and they very easily could have been working on something before, but they also could have been working on something similar and taken inspiration from this creator's line sheet that she sent over with it. I guess I should have explained that line sheets have images. Maybe they, maybe all these people are better journalists than me, right? They knew to explain what a line sheet was and I was just being a snob and that's on me. Um, but I guess this whole thing with Kai is that they want to pair with like more designers and um, no one has... No one has um, commented on this further, but I guess she wants some sort of – it's, like, confusing because she wants it to be some sort of, like, kind of high-end-looking thing, but for, like, reasonable price points. I don't know. Kylie, why do they have to get into everything? This is a separate conversation. Why do they have to get into everything, Right. Like, she's got these lip kits. They do so well. She's got, you know, a lot of other makeup. And then she's got, like, the baby thing, too, didn't she? Or she said she was going to launch a baby thing. Would have been great. Now, would she have been monetizing her own children in a way that I don't necessarily think is healthy and something that we should explore legislatively in this country? Yes. But, because y'all know, y'all saw that influencer that got arrested? Very dark. Um. Anyway, back to Kylie. So I don't know why we have to do this clothing. Kimberly's got skims. Skims is killing it. Let skims kill it. You know, now she's doing skim for Men's. I know y'all saw those photos. I know y'all saw those photos. Nick Bosa is an interesting choice, I will say, though. Um, If you know, you know. And if you don't know, just Google Nick Bosa Twitter. Um, Anyway... I don't, I don't really understand the point of this line, and um, it's even more upsetting if she's literally ripping off small creators to build it. I don't think I've ever had an easier. What are we watching? What are we listening to? Or what are we paying attention to? It is Britney Spears' new memoir, The Woman and Me. Now, in case you're wondering, this audiobook is only five hours. I've already downloaded it. I don't even do audiobooks because I am such a visual learner that if I don't read the book, I probably won't consume anything. But I had to do it the minute that that clip of Michelle Williams, not of Destiny's Child. It's a very good Abbott Elementary um meme that Evan Ross Katz, Katz posted when uh, Barbara Howard is doing her bit where she... Uh, thinks white celebrities are black celebrities, and she says to the little girl, They go through the whole cold cold open, and she says, Now that Michelle Williams is one diva, and uh, they all are like, Oh, okay, maybe she got it right. And she says, From Dawson's Creek to the Academy Awards, and then they realize that they're she's talking about the white Michelle Williams, um, but she says, You know, go on, little Carrie Underwood, talking to one of the kids, and they say, Carrie Washington, and it's very, it's very fun to bet if you haven't watched Abbott Elementary. You should be doing that. Anyway, um, this <laughs> memoir is read by Michelle Williams. Fascinated by that choice and need to know, like, did Brittany just love Dawson's Creek? Like, uh, what was that email thread like? Uh, obviously, there is a clip that has been circulating that is the namesake for this podcast as well. The way that I've never known what to name a podcast so far in advance of the episode normally like when i have to think of the title is like while i'm recording maybe i say something funny or maybe i just like know generally like what topic i want it to be about right the way that i was like i can't wait to record this week so that i can call this episode foshes foshes michelle williams academy award nominee michelle williams had to record britney spears talking about justin timberlake meeting genuine in the street there is I'm not gonna do the entire clip but basically Britney Spears says that NSYNC tried harder to be like black than the Backstreet Boys did it's crazy she proceeds to say Jay took me to a part of New York I'd never been before okay 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 yikes yikes <laughs> She says this man with a big uh the big clock and Two big security guards came walking towards us, and Justin said, Oh, yeah, fo shiz is literally what Michelle Williams says. <laughs> oh, it's so upsetting. Anyway, I have to read the whole audiobook. I pray to God that there are more instances where Britney Spears is writing in Justin Timberlake's black scent that Michelle Williams has to read. Crazy. Um, but there's a lot of other things in the book, obviously. Um, A lot of other things about Justin Timberlake too, to the point where he's like legitimately um, canceling gigs. Um, He's turned his Instagram comments off. Listen, I'm not trying to get anybody like, um, you know, like fully, I don't want to say canceled, but like, you know, harassed. But people are like, look at 2023 go, you know, got um, Ashton Kutcher on the back burner, got Justin Timberlake on the back burner, because lest we not forget that after that Super Bowl performance, America said to Janet Jackson, get away from us. And said to Justin Timberlake, you go, little white boy. Won't forget that. Um, so he's canceling gigs. And um, I'm sure Jessica Beale is regretting staying with him after that whole thing uh, where he was holding that woman's hand. Anyway, so... Uh, Britney talks about a lot of things she talks about um her relationship, she talks about Justin cheating on her, she talks about cheating on Justin, she talks about her conservatorship. Um she talks about uh her time in the Mouseketeers um that like uh Carrie Russell, I did not realize Carrie Russell was a Mouseketeer Carrie Russell and Ryan Gosling were the kids that they like looked up to, but that's where she met Justin Timberlake. Um she talks about uh, signing her recording contract at 15. Uh, she talks about meeting Madonna and Mariah Carey and Michael Jackson and Colin Farrell and that they had some, like, torrid love affair at some point. She moved into Cher's old house. She talked about uh, how she appreciated Oprah because, like, you know, the public was, like, weirdly obsessed with her virginity, and Oprah told her that her sexuality was nothing but her own. And then... um, Diane Sawyer made her cry during an interview um, in 2003. And she goes on to say, like, in the book, she's like, I literally felt like I had been set up in front of the whole world. And she said that that uh, interview was like a breaking point and a switch had been flipped, which is really sad. So then we get into 2004, which is Kevin Fenderline time. Excited to read about that. Um She has, like, questions from, she has another sit-down, this time with Matt Lauer, um, and she goes through the process of um, divorcing Kevin, um, and this is after the kids, um, she says that a couple years later, she goes out to do her First and only interview to promote Blackout because obviously she's experiencing like a, a decent amount of paparazzi at this point. And it was supposed to just be about the album. And Ryan Seacrest kept asking her questions like, um, how do you respond to people who say that you're a bad mom? Do you feel like you're doing everything for your kids? How often do you see them? And she was like, okay, well, like whether or not I'm a fit mother isn't why I'm here. Um, also, like I was young enough I feel like at this point that I remember obviously Britney like going through all these things and I don't know if I thought that they were funny but I definitely wasn't concerned we were just like it was being framed so clearly that like she was crazy or whatever when in reality it seems like the press was you know just like not even baiting her berating her is more like it um so she um, lists some comedians that she enjoyed watching during her conservatorship. I'm hoping they all um, reach out to her. But I need you to know that the four names that she mentioned are four completely different people, like so different that I need to know if she only listed four of the same kind of people and one of her editors was like you need to make it look like you listen to diverse comedy i don't know but y'all the names are amy schumer kevin hart sebastian maniscalco and joe coy just completely different people which you know we love that um she talked about um being with elton john when he recorded that song with her last year and that he showed her um a lot of compassion and then um, obviously, there's some upsetting things about the conservatorship, about her relationship with her sister, and obviously her relationship with Justin Timberlake um, that I, I don't want to say I'm excited to read, but I'm definitely um, intrigued to hear all of this. And I'm happy that she's getting a chance to like speak out for herself after like the last few years of like a lot of people talking for her and talking about her. It's exciting that she... Um, gets to talk for herself. Now, I say all of that, and then I did see somewhere that uh, she may have just posted a nude photo on Instagram. I I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. At least she wasn't dancing with knives this time, right? Well, thanks for catching up. Um, SAG's still on strike. I know I didn't give a formal update, but I think we all knew that. It's very clear that, um, you know, the negotiations, it's like not... Not that these have ever been a joke, but it's like, uh, be serious, like finish this up. Uh, talks have resumed. Um, so the hope is that things actually get done. There are a lot, there's something like a lot going on. There's some actors who are like, we haven't come all this way. We need to get this done. And then there are other actors like Mandy Moore. Listen, I'm going to say something. I like Mandy Moore, but every time I get a little peek in behind the curtain, I like her less. Do you know what I mean? Like um, one time she accidentally posted on her Instagram story, but it definitely was meant to be close friends. Like she deleted it later, like a very lengthy statement about like being able to trust people. You know, when someone's just doing that random rambling thing where it's like stream of consciousness, like, you know, it's hard to know who to trust and like to bring people into your family and have them break your trust. It like seemed like a nanny, like took a picture or something in their house or something. I don't know, it's obviously a violation of privacy. I'm literally making up what happened, but it was too much. But then she posted about um, SAG has encouraged people to not dress as characters in solidarity for this Halloween, which like, First of all, normal people, there's no world where you're going to get them to like, like if women want to dress as Barbie this Halloween, they're going to do it. And if they're going to see each other out on the street or at the bar and say, hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie to each other. I think that that is in solidarity with SAG. And I'm not interested in hearing any other opinion personally. Um, If you don't want actors dressing as their own characters, that makes sense. But I don't think they do that anyway. Um... Yeah, I I don't quite understand that, but Mandy Morley like, posted about it and she was like, "Seriously, is this what we're really fighting for?" Like, you know, yada yada yada. And I'm like, "Girl, chill." Anyway, um they're still on strike. Was the point of my whole thing and not that I was like I wasn't going to give an update, um but moving on, um I know 1989 Taylor's version is out and I'm very happy for all of you and I um listen if people aren't redressing as actors for Halloween I already saw one influencer dressed as Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey and I'm not interested I'm just gonna go ahead and say it right now as someone who genuinely likes Travis Kelsey and I do enjoy Taylor Swift I really do until she did that like cringy handshake with Brittany Mahomes, and then I remembered who she was fundamentally um I like them I think that this is fun I enjoy like the hoopla that is going on I I'm eating it right up the Halloween costumes I'm not interested in mostly because like Every blonde woman, you know, wearing, like, a red bomber jacket or whatever. But y'all, these men don't look like Travis Kelsey. We need to be serious. (laughs) We need to be very serious. Um... Anyway, I think that's pretty much it. Jon Stewart has been, like, low-key left Apple TV because they basically wouldn't let him um, talk about what he wanted to talk about. And Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is coming back, and we're finally going to get to see Kyle and Mauricio's uh, separation play out on camera. And I know that makes me sound like a gross person who, like, wants to watch someone's divorce, but... As we discussed when this happened a couple months ago, that psychic said that he would never emotionally fulfill her once their children got older. Um, They would separate, and that is what happened. And so I do want to see if on the show um, they talk about the psychic because that would be fascinating. Um, Okay, I think that's it. I'm going to go watch lessons, um, Lessons on Chemistry on Apple TV. Cute little book, and you know who got her hands on it. Reese, 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 Reese. Okay, thanks for catching up. Bye.